Hey everyone, it's Dean. And this is Chris. We are your host of the Yak Tactics Podcast. Yep. So Chris, what have you been up to lately, man? I actually went for the first time lean cod fishing a couple days ago and I caught a nine and a half pound lean cod and it was it was really fun. Um, I actually used some of the techniques that you and I have talked about in the past on, you know, uh, vertical jigging and like the, the guy I was with showed me a few things and I was just at home right away, felt pretty comfortable doing it, caught about four, only fished for about an hour and then we got blown out because of the wind. So, uh, but it was really fun. I'm looking forward to trying that sometime on the kayak. Uh, you've done that a few times from your kayak, right? Up in Oregon? Yeah, I fish a lot of the bays, um, Newport Bay especially, just because I got a brewery in the bay. <laughs> so you can go <laughs> fish and then park your kayak at the brewery and drink beer. Works pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw you uh, last weekend were catching those big old Mackinac lake trout. Uh, I call them the bazooka fish because the way you hold it, it looks like you're shooting a commie or something like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I, uh, and I didn't get divorced. I brought my wife with me. It was five degrees at the dock that morning. She, her, uh, the guides on the rod iced up and she's like, what's going on? And I was like, ah, it'll warm up. (laughs) That's awesome, man. So, but, okay. So cool. Uh, I think next episode, we're going to talk about tactics for targeting those from the kayak, right? Yeah, that's the plan. We'll, uh. I'll just go over kind of everything I've been doing the last month and a half or so. And I think, I think it'll be interesting. I caught 24 leg trout over 30 inches in the last month and broke 20 pounds and put people on fish that broke 20 pounds. So I think I'm going to go again this weekend and hopefully I can get a, get a 30 pounder 40 inches. That's the goal right now. That's awesome, dude. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that and I'm looking forward to getting back out there with you and taking another shot at him. But tonight we have a special guest. Um, I'm really excited about this. Our guest today is Hank Rogers. Hank, um, is a bass fisherman from Virginia and he runs the YouTube channel Bass Geek. I've followed his YouTube channel quite a bit. Him and I have interacted and someday, I think he's going to try to come out here to California and fish the Delta with me. Um, I don't know. But today, he's going to drop some knowledge on us. And we're going, to ch- we're going to chat about deep ledge fishing and targeting bass in deeper water. What's up, Hank? How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Doing good. Pretty good. Awesome. So, the, it, it, coming out to California and fishing the Delta, by the way, is a dream trip. I cannot wait to get to do that. Okay, and when when you do, we'll have to invite Dean down, and we can all hit it, you know, and just uh, <laughs> just go out in the Delta and, and try to catch that 15-pounder, right? Hey, we're going to go smash a, a 25, 30-pound bag of large and stuff. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. <laughs> I'm down with that. That'll be that'll be the way Chris gets me to drive down there. So. Yeah, I'm always driving up to Oregon to fish, and he never drives down to California to fish with me. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, California is easily, you know, top top two, arguably number one. I mean, in in the magic greatness of bass fishing. I mean, that place is, it's uh, whew, it's. Man, they pull out giant spots. They pull out giant largemouth. Yeah. I mean, how can you not go down there? There's too many well, humans. <laughs> <laughs> too many liberals. No, yeah, uh, California is actually, you know, they had three of the top ten uh, black bass fisheries this past year. Um, so that that's pretty cool. But um, we want to talk to you about... Um, targeting those fish, those deep fish in some of the lakes and reservoirs and stuff like that that you're fishing for in, uh, in your area. And you fish predominantly in Virginia. Is that right? Uh, I actually live right on the, uh, Northeast Tennessee, Southwest Virginia border. So I live, I actually live in Virginia, but most of the fishing that I do is actually done in Tennessee. Now I've got a few, few lakes uh, in Virginia, a few small secret lakes that I, I try to keep as 
hidden as possible so so they don't get beat up too bad but uh the bigger lakes in tennessee most everybody knows uh right now i've really been fishing uh, uh south holston lake which is in northeast tennessee and it is a smallmouth heaven uh and i and i've i've been fishing uh i've been really fishing deep ledges there vertically i, I heard you guys talking about uh vertical jigs earlier and what i've been doing is kind of a finesse derivative of that so so what like like a, a flutter spoon or something well it's it's actually called a damiki rig oh and yeah 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 the damiki rig which you know you you're able to hold it still and those cold water bass those cold water smallmouth a lot of times what you do is you'll you'll find an area where you have a a drain and or a ditch and and just to demystify the word ledge every reservoir you know a lot of people can uh, a lot of people uh, associate ledge fishing with uh, the Tennessee River you know Gunnersville Chickamauga uh, a lot of your Tennessee River lakes but every lake has a ledge uh, Mikey Balls uh, in Florida talks a lot about ledge fishing and, and it may be a very subtle one to two foot drop but all a ledge really is is a uh in a in a reservoir that's man-made it's an old creek channel an old ditch and it might be a drop of you know one to two feet it could be a drop of 50 to 100 feet and that's really what you're looking for but but those smallmouth, basically, you're taking a Damiki rig and, and you're finding large schools of bait fish and you're taking this little three-inch armor shad by Damiki lures, putting it on a three-eighths or a half-ounce head, and you're dropping it straight down over top of the fish that you see on your sonar, and you just wait for them to come up and knock the snot out of it. Wow. It's a blast. <laughs> it's so, so you're just dropping it down and holding it still? Yep, you, you drop it down, uh, and, and the great thing about it is, you know, as the water gets colder, uh, a bass's strike zone gets, you know, very much smaller. So okay. you will drop this down. Once you, once you spot your fish on your sonar, you'll, you'll pull up, and, and you'll see them on your sonar, and you will literally drop down to their level or just above their level. I like to... I like to drop down four or five feet above them and then just hold it completely and utterly still. And you'll see the fish actually come up off the bottom. I actually have my last video. I actually have uh, sonar pictures where you can actually see the bait kind of slowly drop and sit there and the fish come up off the bottom and, and look at it. Huh. What's What weights, um, when you're generally using this thing, you know, are you using... Like how far I say would you would you drop that thing before you get kind of like that reaction? Are you talking like when we're talking about strike zones or kind of like their sphere of influence? Are you are you seeing a move like five to ten feet up the water column to hit this bait, or is it like it's got to be right on their nose? It depends on the day, depends on the conditions. Now, uh, what these fish are doing is, and the reason you're using such a small bait is that you're around these giant schools, and that's one of the keys when you're starting this technique. And this is a wintertime technique. Uh, you're around these giant schools of bait fish, and what these fish do is they'll sit on the bottom, and as it gets colder and colder, those smaller and smaller bait fish begin to die and just drop to the bottom. So they don't, they're not chasing shad. They're waiting for those fish to die and fall to the bottom, and they just reach up and grab them. Nice, easy meal. Uh, so sometimes, and one of the funnest days I actually had uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I had put in a lot of homework and that's the key to ledge fishing. You got to put in your homework. I, I know, especially a lot of us weekend guys, uh, whether it be summer or whether it be winter. And those are the two times that ledge fishing are really dominant. It's, it's in those, those times of year when those fish are moving out to deep water. Uh, you know, the spring and the fall, depending on water clarity, sometimes in the fall, you can still catch them deep, uh, but, but they'll be all over the water column. You can catch them over, over deep water, but, 
that's in super crystal clear water, which is a lot of what I fish too. Uh, but in the in the summer and in the falls, or in the summer and in the winter, when those fish go out to their deeper haunts, is really when you're targeting deep ledge bass, smallmouth or largemouth. And so back to your question. Sorry, I I told you I can geek out pretty heavy on this. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's uh, fine. <laughs> and I, I can I can ramble for hours. So we're we're all uh, ears, Hank. <laughs> <laughs> just. You know, stop me in the middle of it if, you, if you've got a question. <laughs> Interrupt me because I'm telling you, I love this stuff. Well, you did mention doing your homework. So um, let's just say you're going to a new lake or um, you're looking at fishing a lake you fished before. What's What do you do the night before or three days before or a week before? Are you on Navionics looking at contours or what? what's your game plan? Absolutely. The first two things, and I, I think it's pretty common. You hear this answer all the time. Uh, Navionics makes a web app, which is absolutely free. So, you know, get on that uh, with your PC. Uh, the other thing is, in my area, because I do fish highland reservoirs, which means that, you know, there's there's hardly any such thing as a flat area. Uh, every bank seems like it's 45 degree to 90 degrees out here so uh, they draw Sounds the like shasta down yeah yeah they're actually california uh, other than the foliage california and and northeast tennessee southwest virginia the lakes look eerily similar so oh, really it, okay. yeah it's it's really really interesting other than the delta now let's let's the delta we'll push the delta kind of out a yeah it's bit. different but, yeah but like Clear Lake and and some of those other lakes like that, they're 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 kind. Of, I see a lot of the same structure in those lakes. Anyway, but uh, Google Maps or whatever sort of satellite mapping feature or aerial mapping feature that you want to use, because sometimes uh, and it doesn't work as well for your deep uh, structure, but you can see, you know little drains that go into the water so you can see things it's a little better during the summer because they draw the lakes down here the lake that i've been fishing they draw it down 25 feet during the winter and uh one of the other lakes that the Domeki rig was big on and uh bassmaster actually made it really popular was uh cherokee reservoir and they draw it down 30 to 40 feet in the winter so you can actually use your map structure to find a lot of good summer structure. But during the wintertime, the Navionics web app is key. And you're really looking for creek channels. And, and that's the old creek channels. Um, anywhere that would be a drop-off, an underwater ledge, for example. So creek channels, river channels, um, steep drop-offs to... Uh, uh, points and uh, you, you know in more natural lakes you're really looking for things that are um, oh gosh in more natural lakes you're, you're really looking for those those underwater features that are going to be you know current breaks every lake we have ha has some sort of current and I say all the time uh, current is king so you, you really have to pay attention to current all the time. The water's always moving from one, one section of the lake to the other. And uh, that'll, that'll position your bass 90% uh, of the time. So, so when, when you say that, let's like a couple things, I think, before we move on. What unit are you running? Are you running a Humminbird or a Lawrence? And then kind of let's talk about some of the settings on that because a lot of – I know especially some of the guys I fish with um, – I tell them time and time again, you kind of got to be a geek with your fish finder. And, you and they, you know, one of them one time he even told me, he was like, well, I wanted to, and it just, it was boring. And we went out, <laughs> we, well, yeah, right. We went yeah. out and, and I'm, and I'm targeting fish in 150 feet of water and I'm jigging them, you know, yeah. like I, I have to, you know, you got to be sharp on that stuff. And I think that's something that as we're talking about this kind of like, you know, you know, classic um, I'll pick on Chris a little bit here. The the classic Delta bass fishing guy is kind of like, you know, fishing structure. I can see the structure. It's not super deep. 
You know, they got all that cheese mat down there. So it's kind of a different yep. electronic. It's totally game, different. Oh, yeah, it's you know? totally different. When you got a guy, say, like what you were just talking about. So I fished a, a kayak tournament at Shasta last year and this, well, this year. And, you know, yeah, you know, you're just talking 40 feet of drawdown. Shasta goes, fluxes like 100 feet. Yeah. And it's, it's like 400 feet deep in some places. So, like, there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on that I honestly, that was a, that's a really hard place to fish for a lot of people for their first time out. And I think this Demiki rig, some of this ledge stuff, at least in my area where we're talking about giant spotted bass, mm-hmm. is a huge thing because those spots, they're doing exactly what you're saying the smallies are doing in Tennessee. I mean, they're, they're, they're underneath big, big tight bait balls. Um, a guy that I'm buddies with fishes Shasta a ton. He's really good stick. He was just telling me he was fishing it and they, you know, the bait balls were barely bigger than a car, but he was finding them and he's finding big fish under them, you know? And he, he actually came within like two ounces of the world record spot last year. Wow. Whoa. So, like he's no joke, but, uh, you know, let's talk about that. What do you, what are you running and, and how are you running it? Well, actually, believe it or not, right now, I have both Lowrance and Hummingbird units. And, Blasphemy. And I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm, I tell everybody, I, I, I'm, I'm not a brand loyal guy. I am not. I am what's the best, what's the hottest, that's what I'm going with. What's going to put more, more in my boat, if it's a Lowrance this month, that's great. If it's a Hummingbird next month, that's where I'm going. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but, but my main two, my name, my main two finders are, I've got some helix nines on my boat right now. Okay. Um, I'm getting ready to upgrade to the mega. I don't have the mega yet. And, um, I have got a, a video that is quickly approaching, uh, 90,000 views. And one of the things that I absolutely have despised about, Anytime you go out on the wall or you look on YouTube or, or anywhere for that matter, when I was really learning how to, uh, or trying to find good settings for a starter or good settings for someone to begin with, no one seems to want to give their settings out. And that drives, that drove me nuts. So what I did is I actually went out, I showed people ditches, road beds, brush it, brush on down imaging, side imaging, 2d sonar i showed people where i start a good starting uh setting for 455 kilohertz 800 kilohertz for the uh the the two sonars uh which is uh which i I use mine on uh dual dual beam or dual scan whatever whichever company wants to call it um yeah so so you know but i it, it would be hard for me to really go into direct settings while I'm while I'm while I'm sitting here not in front of my unit, but <laughs> right. But yeah, you know, I tell people I, I can give you a starting spot, but you may change positions on a lake, or you might change a, an area by fifty feet, and you may need to tweak your contrast just a hair or your um, your uh, sensitivity just a hair and and that's something that's real big for me because again like you said about shasta you know you you've got really steep banks so you can go across the point and i get a lot of questions because in that video i talk about the 455 kilohertz a whole lot and how i like that because it's it, it shows fish uh, a little better, you get a stronger return. Well, the reason why that is, and this goes even to the mega. One of the reasons I haven't mo- moved to the mega units yet is because it's hits a uh, twelve hundred kilohertz, and it doesn't penetrate as deep. So just like the two D sonar, you don't get the the clear picture that you're getting from down imaging or side imaging, but they are uh, lower frequencies which means they penetrate greater depths. So you just imagine a higher frequency with uh, that doesn't penetrate the water column as well, you're going to get a dimmer return. So a 455 kilohertz as opposed to an 800 kilohertz, 
you're going to get even on small fish a much brighter dot so when i'm well and that's that's a good point because that's you know even to take it a little bit further since i've been fishing some stuff that's like almost three times deeper than what you're doing i'm running 83 kilohertz and 200 kilohertz there you go and for the same reason and that's on your 2d sonar and here's a great example uh i can find largemouth very easily on my 2d a lot of times even when they're they're sitting on the bar or not my 2d by uh my down imaging even when they're sitting on the bottom at 455 or even 800 and 35 feet but smallmouth are less dense right so when they're in 35 45 65 feet they're very hard to see yeah there's and then bladders smaller yeah. exactly so so that that sonar or the, the 2D, the, the traditional sonar, comes in extremely handy when you're trying to differentiate them from the bottom. Uh, the Domeki rig video that I just put out Tuesday actually shows, and I, and I tell people all the time, uh, something that I've learned very quickly is how to differentiate between active smallmouth, active largemouth, and uh, uh, you know inactive smallmouth and largemouth. Uh, when they're out there so that I'm not wasting as much time fishing for fish that's going to be harder to catch. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, what's the tip? Well, the, the tip on, on the smallmouth this time of year, I, I, I compared it to when you see them on 2D and you think it looks like a log laying on the bottom. It's this flat sort of, you know, different color than the okay. bottom. Yeah. They're, they're inactive. It's when they look like spaghetti. When you can see them coming up, just just imagine what a school of shad does. Well, that's no different than a school of bass. They're up, they're moving, they're they're swimming around each other. They're they're active. They're ready to feed. And when you see that wad of lines just crisscrossing into each other, that's that's when it's that's when it's going to be fun and you you asked me earlier you know how far am i dropping down i'm using a most of the time with the domeki now i'm fishing anywhere from 35 to about 65 there's some spots as as it gets colder you know you're going to get down you're, you're going to fish over about 80 feet um but uh, one of the funnest days i've had this year I pull up on a spot, I see them, and I know they're active. I drop down vertical, and you can literally watch my body language as I turn to the side, click my bail over, because as soon as that bait, and these fish are in 35 to 40 feet of water, as soon as that bait gets about 10 to 15 feet, it looks like a hand is coming up off the bottom at 100 <laughs> miles an hour. And there's, there's five, six, ten fish just charging toward this bait dropping. And uh, I had somebody ask me the other day, they're like, oh, man, they were coming off the bottom and I was letting it drop right through. I said, wrong. I said, what you want to do is learn the latency of your unit. And what that means is there's always going to be a fraction of a second from what you're seeing on the screen is actually happening on the bottom. And when you learn that latency of that unit, you can stop that about a foot above them as they're racing. And competition is key. Right. So. So, you know, the more fish there are in a school, the the more competitive they're going to be for a bait. And, and that's so, where you talk a lot about getting a school fired up, and that's exactly what you were seeing on your, your graph. It, yeah, exactly. And and so, especially this time, so I've, I've actually been chart, charting this lake since, because this is a new lake to me this time of year. I fish tournaments on it during the spring, and I know a lot about it during the spring, but I haven't fished this lake a lot during the fall and winter. And I know there's some big bags that come out of this lake during the fall and winter, so it's something that I wanted to do. So since about the second week of November, literally, I've been going out on this lake, riding from for eight and ten hour days, marking spots. Not really catching fish, dropping a bait down, seeing if I get a reaction. And what what happens is is you find these areas, uh, like you said earlier, these creek channels where they're out deep. 
and you just go back and forth on the side of a point that's very steep on the side of an underwater ledge that's very steep they'll set on top they'll set on side you'll begin to see these these as fall gets later these fish begin to move out at first it'll be one two three four as the school begins to as more and more as the weather gets colder and colder they'll move out same thing happens in the summer after post-spawn they'll they'll kind of stay up shallow and they'll kind of rest up the big females but generally the females are the first ones to move out to those ledges during the summer the big females and uh and you'll get a few at first and then as more and more begin to come after post-spawn during the summer same thing with the winter you're going to get more and more competition for food that comes by. So these bass and these schools get easier to fire up and they get more and more aggressive. Gotcha. I think one thing that uh, I'll just mention if you guys out there in radio land have a hummingbird is if you're running fish ID on your hummingbird and you're running dual, like dual band, kind of like what Hank and I were talking about a little bit earlier you'll get two different color icons and you can kind of differentiate how close they are to being directly underneath you. So like if I'm using my, my situation right now, 83 kilohertz will give me a surface, like the bottom of the cone will be equal to the depth that I'm in. So if I'm in 150 feet of water, that's 150 feet, like what would that be? Diameter on that cone. So that's wow. a big area, you know, that's not, I could mark a fish in that and that fish could easily not see my bait. Now when I'm running 200 kilohertz, that's one third of the depth that I'm in. So if I'm in 150 feet and I mark a fish and in my case, if it's a yellow icon on the fish ID, then I'm going to know that that thing's probably within 50 feet and as a player. So kind of like what Hank was talking about, you know, he's dropping on these fish and he's he's looking for spaghetti you know he's looking it's a different species so a little different behavior but you know he's looking for spaghetti and you know another thing there is especially when you're running some i mean he's running even higher frequency than i am so 400 kilohertz i could only imagine that we're talking like like a fifth of the depth that you're in is the size of that cone at the bottom um you so know you're that's, pin, he's pinpointing them and you're yeah, kind of broadly yeah. mapping them no well, no i, I will can't say in a way because i'm running a helix five so i don't have all the same frequencies that hank has and right. a guy in a kayak probably isn't gonna have all those but i right. think what he's talking about here is huge and if you guys out there that are that are trying to fish some of this offshore structure especially in reservoirs especially in reservoirs um, some of these things like fish ID and then, and then like he said, you know, looking at that behavior is going to be pretty critical to know if you're dropping on them, you know? Now, I will say this, um, not being a, a brand loyal guy, I will say this, uh, especially in deeper water now on your, on your 2D, your, your regular sonar, that, uh, that 83 and what is it? 200 kilohertz. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's a little difference uh, when I'm talking 455 and I'm talking uh, the 800 and the 1200, there's a different there's a difference in beam um, form, for lack of a better term. Are you the, meaning like waveform, like the actual yeah, frequency? Okay. Well, well, uh, maybe. I'm uh, <laughs> for, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure the definition of this, but. Here's the best way for me to explain it in layman's terms. The 2D sonar, I call it 2D, it's just regular sonar, the 80, the, what is it, 83 and 200, it is a round cone. So that, that cone, like if you take a piece of paper and you make a, you know, you make a megaphone with it, that's what it looks like. Now, when you get up into the 455, the down imaging, the side imaging, it's a razor. It is a flat razor's edge it's a it's more of a beam than a than a wave so it's taking very thin slices i tell people this all the time uh there's really no need to have a down imaging device on a trolling motor now i know you guys are specific to um kayaks right and the great thing about kayaks and and i get i get a ton of questions about this all the time but uh and and this is where uh i'm going to 
I'm going to tell you something. And, and if you're a, uh, Dean, if you're a, a, a Helix or a hummingbird guy, uh, you're going to hate me for what I'm about to tell you. Oh no, I won't care. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I'm, I tell everyone don't buy a Helix unless if you're looking for, if you don't care about down imaging, side imaging. Okay. It's, that's cool. But I always tell people don't buy a Helix unless it is a nine or better. And here's the reason why the nines or anything under a nine will not read an 800 kilohertz, uh, transducer. So they're high definition transducers. And I learned this the hard way. Uh, they're, they're, their high definition transducers, which gives a better picture, run on a uh, 83-200, 455-800, and of course, the megas will will leave out of the picture right now. But but they run at those four frequencies, and the smaller units are unable to read that 800. So I tell people, and for kayakers, I've actually done some research on this. I've had several people the past few days or past few weeks ask me about this, but the, uh, the Lawrence TIs, which I've found some for, I think under 250 bucks, maybe under, uh, and they, the, the fives and the sevens actually have all those frequencies mapping and, uh, and the ability to split screen. I mean, there are, if you're a kayaker, they are a stinking, impressively great deal. Hmm. And you're going to get so much bang for your buck. I, I don't remember if they're touchscreen, but I almost, I believe they're still, they're touchscreen. And I mean, you're going to, you're going to get, I mean, it's, it's impressive what Lawrence has done. And I'll tell everybody right now, you can argue with me all day long, but I tell everybody right now, they're like, well, which unit's better? Well, if I could put them both together into one unit, I'd have a perfect unit. But if you really want to talk about side imaging and down imaging, now Helix has the Chirp, which is right. Lawrence. Lawrence kind of had them on on the uh, the sonar for a little while, but now Lawrence or Hummingbird has the Chirp technology. Hummingbird has a better side image down. Uh, Lawrence has better down imaging. And my, my best friend, the guy who, uh, who owns ledge heads, he's got the big 12, you know, HDS 3d and, uh, and I have sat there and watched his and been like, gosh, man, look at the separation of the bottom. And a lot of times that's key separation of the bottom and the fish, uh, when they're, well, so, so I, I have a question, um, call me silly and uninformed, um, but I thought that the the five and the seven and the nine I thought that was the screen size. That's that's well, not what that is. It well, is. Hold on. It, it, so it there's is. some of this. Hold on. So some of this is the Gen one version, which is what Hank is talking about. And now the Gen two version has chirp and has a lot of the features that that other the Lawrence units have. But right. I'll just say it right now. It don't matter what unit you have. It matters how good you are with it. I right, agree. That's, so, true. that's true. 100%. You know, like for all the people out there, don't, don't, you know, you, you don't have to have a $500 fish finder to no. do the Tamiki no. rig or the techniques we're talking about. It just, yep. it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> a lot it more does. Fun, it does. You know, and, and that's why I brought up the TIs. Yeah. They're, they're so, so, such a good deal. Totally. TIs and it only makes it easier though. Like if you know what the hell you're doing, if you don't know yeah. what the hell you're doing and you don't put the time in, you know, before well, you go out, then, then it's just uh, kind of a waste of money, and you're going to be as frustrated as you were without well, one. That's, Maybe that's even what more. we're talking about. You get information overload. You know, yeah, you, right. you don't know anything about this stuff, and you go out, and you know, you got 25 different views, split screen, a triple screen, side imaging, down imaging, and then you got yeah. like auto chart live running at the same time, or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just gets deep, and I think. Uh, the big thing here, what we're really talking about, though, is like targeting these bass. And I think the the big thing, Hank, is like talk to us a little bit about like your gear, too. Are you running like really light fluorocarbon when you're running this Daniki rig? Or are you running braid? Like what, what else are you doing when you're doing this thing? 
on on the Demiki rig this time of year, I'm using some guys will use four pound test. That that's wow. I just I don't have the cojones for that. <laughs> uh, I'm using I'm using six, which I mean, yeah, like that's a step up, right? Mm. Uh, but yeah, I do because I do fish super clear water, and uh, and you're and using fluoro. I'm using fluorocarbon. Generally, every rod and reel I have, right. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a floral guy to a braid leader, or I'm straight floral, uh, at least a cast or two length. Uh, and I use braid backing and I, right. I tell people there's, there's a difference between it being a floral leader, but I use braid backing on my, my casting gear, my bait casters. I never want to get to the knot on those, uh, for the Demiki rig itself. Um, I use six pound test. Most of the time I, you know, I, I wait for cigar to go on sale at, you know, tackle warehouse. <laughs> and I, just, I buy a ton of it. Yeah. And, uh, the, you know, so, so that's what I'm using there. Uh, a lot of guys in my area, uh, they will use 15, 20 foot liter of fluoro and they'll use, um, you know, a 10 to 15 pound, um, braid. And the reason why is because you're not casting this, you're literally dropping it directly down beside the transducer on your, uh, your sonar unit. And, right. you know, of course that braid comes through the guys guides a little easier. Me, I'm kind of paranoid about that. Why? I'm, I just, because smallmouth in particular, feed up this time of year they're they're looking and you've got 20 foot clear water oh. and you got a 20 foot leader on and here's you're this, worried about them bright, getting line shy of the braid here's this bright yellow spaghetti noodle yeah. coming down behind their bait and so uh, maybe it matters maybe it don't maybe i'm giving the fish you know a degree <laughs> but well, what, you know. what about the shadow of your boat like if you're fishing right underneath you aren't they looking up and seeing your boat you know what you I mean? know i'll tell you what i'm so paranoid about that this did is you something... camouflage the bottom of your boat no no <laughs> okay but but sun direction is huge okay so if you ever notice when i'm fishing soup when i'm fishing deep the camera is the camera. The shots are horrible because they're directly <laughs> into the sun. <laughs> okay. So you're making sure that you're casting a shadow, uh, totally opposite direction of where the fish are. The best I can. Now, right. if it's, you know, high noon, <sighs> you know, it is what it is. And, and you just pray they're, uh, they're so aggressive that they're like, Hey, look, I, there's not grass on this lake, but that's floating mat. Let me get underneath that thing. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Well, you know. <laughs> you're fishing out of a boat. Um, most of the folks listening to this are going to be fishing out of a kayak. Uh, would you be hesitant um, with like fish being spooked in that clear of water that you're fishing from a kayak? No way. That's even better. Yeah. And, and the things about a kayak, your your map reading is going to be even more important. Because this is so easily done from a kayak, and I could imagine how fun it would be. Uh, I, I boated the, the biggest smallmouth of my life, a new PB, just Monday, which was a, a five-pound, a, a trophy-class smallmouth, and uh, nice. on a Demiki rig the other day. And, uh, well, I think, what, what day? Like Monday or something. Anyway, and and so... So I couldn't imagine fighting that thing because it literally hit me, ran to the back of the boat, and I had to go with it. So in a <laughs> kayak, you'd—I mean, you would have been surfing along. Yeah, <laughs> you know, would have spun you. Yeah. So uh, the biggest thing about the the kayak doing this in a kayak because have you ever heard the term milk run when it comes to bass fishing? Where you're chasing. Yeah. Well, a milk run is when you have several spots. Right. And, and that's kind of key when it comes to deep fishing. You can go out, you can get that school fired up, you'll catch two or three out of it, and then you leave it and go to the next spot. Well, the great thing about most of the places are they're pretty close together. Or 
they're relatively close to a boat ramp here or a boat ramp there. And, uh, you know, so... So, so what you're saying is the downside of being in a kayak is you can't milk run as easy because it'll take more time. You can't milk run as easy, but it's, it's very doable. Um, you, you're still going to be able to get out there, paddle up on two or three spots that, that are in a certain area, two or three spots that a lot of times guys like me are going to miss because I'm looking for all those high profile spots. And the great thing, and I, I think I said this on one of your videos, Chris, was that it amazes me how slowly and how, how many more fish that kayakers can go through and pick up that us guys in the bass boats don't because you're so much more methodical. And, uh, you know, uh, so, so you are really picking apart making two or three casts, two or three baits to, to the same piece of cover or structure. Right. And, and so, you know, you can still do that in a kayak really actually very easily. Uh, I've got a couple of guys that live around here that uh, do that have some uh, that have a YouTube channel and they they kayak fish and and I'm going to take them out to some of the spots that I catch these smallmouth because they can paddle out so easily to where these spots are. Some of them are like a hundred yards from boat docks. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> so so you know. And you got to remember, if, if they're a major boat ramp and it's near deep water, I mean, they're holding tournaments out of there. Those fish don't run all the way back down to where they come from a lot of times. They're, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're finding, you know, that area that, that's relative, relatively similar to where they got pulled out of. And then yeah, they that's may... called sloppy seconds right there. <laughs> hey, retreads. <laughs> that's what we call them, retreads. I'll, I'll call it, I'll catch that all day and have a smile on my face, you know what I mean? I'm pretty sure that five-pounder was a retread, and let me tell you, it didn't keep me from throwing out some uh, expletives that were in a positive uh, manner. <laughs> Heck yeah. When you're fishing a Demiki rig, what type of rod are you using, like uh, weight and you know, action. And then also, are you using like a, an average speed reel, like a six, two, six, three, one, what are you doing as far as gear goes? As far as gear goes on the Domeki rig, I'm really using, uh, are you using a spinning rod? I am using a spinning rod. Okay. uh, On that. Now, now summer's a totally different thing, but winter, um, and smallmouth. Uh, I'm using a, a seven foot medium action. You, you don't need a, you, you want to be able to drop it, you know, right beside the trolling motor or, or right beside your, uh, kayak, uh, the transducer that's key because you want to see that bait dropping, uh, the bait itself, three eighths ounce to a half ounce. I like the half ounce. It's a little bigger. I want it to get down there fast. So it's not a, it's not a, a fall thing. Okay. Uh, the quicker the better the reel that i'm using is actually the one that i've got on this rod my favorite rod is uh and, and it's a fast action rod medium uh seven foot fast action i think it's a tatula a daiwa tatula rod uh i prefer and i have lost and you will i unfortunately share these in my video too uh you will see me lose a couple of fish And the biggest reason why is because these hooks, they're real small, uh, so the barbs are real small. And if they get get slack and spotted bass and smallmouth, they'll come up, they'll grab it, and then as soon as they feel that pressure, they're like a rocket ship. And they're coming straight up. So, you know, uh, if you can get a reel that's in the, at least in the sixes as far as speed goes, Six one, six zero, six three to one, something like that. That's that pen battle too, uh, Dean. Yeah. Isn't that a six two? That's a six three. It's thirty seven inches of crank. Yeah, right. they're because most you're, most of your spinning reels are like a five three or five four or five two, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and they're getting better now. There's actually a lot more uh, from way back in the olden days when I started. Uh, there, there, there's a lot more 
sixes out there on the market now. Even in the lower priced reels, there's a lot more uh, sixes out there in the market. But uh, at least a six uh, to keep up. Uh, the one that I'm running, I think it's a high five. Right. May, maybe a mid five actually and uh and of course drag is going to be key too you're you're again you're you're fishing six pound test and and the oh, lake yeah. that i'm fishing the lake that i'm fishing right now it's uh it's a common thing to have 20 to 22 pound bags of smallmouth. So no no large mouth just just small mouth. So so there's some some big smallmouth in this lake. So, so a smallmouth that's five pounds. Did you say that one was five pounds? He was five on the dot. Yeah, so that's that's like a twenty-two inch smallmouth, right? He was actually twenty-three. I don't know why. Twenty-three. Wow, that's awesome. Twenty-three inches. I was amazed. I I was thinking he was going to be a little over five when I seen him, and uh, I was pretty jacked up. It was pretty nice. (laughs) That's awesome. But now switching gears and going over to summer uh now i'm a big swim bait guy in the summer and i don't mean big swim baits i I do fish tournaments so there the the gates come wide open Uh, i will use everything from you know big hair jigs what they call preacher jigs around here uh those are are ounce jigs with no trailer uh, I will use my favorite thing is probably a six inch, um, uh, boom shad by major league lures, uh, and, and anywhere from a half ounce, it depends on where I'm at and how deep I'm, I'm running, but, uh, half ounce to upwards of, a, a an ounce and three eighths, uh, ledge head lures. And you know, I've that, seen you catch so many fish on those ledgehead lures and boom shot on that combo. Like, I, I need to just get out and buy some of those one of these days. Like, I don't know why I haven't yet. I like the for for those of you who are listening and aren't familiar. There's a it, it, that jig head has a really cool profile to it. Um, I don't know if you could explain it, Hank, but it, it's basically a swim jig, right? Well, it's it's a it's a swim bait head and and a that swim bait jig head. head. Okay, yeah. That that jig head how and it this is his own design. Uh Right. It actually most of the weight actually comes down so it conforms to the head. If you you take your if you don't know what a boom shad is, uh, a shadowlicious, the probably on the on the west coast the most famous is the bastrix, the hollow bodies. Okay. Um those swim baits it actually is designed to wrap around the head now it comes to a point so it doesn't get hung as much and the keel actually comes down under the head right uh, quite a bit and and what ends up happening as that tail gets to kicking back and forth it causes that keel to start a little bit of a head roll and even in clear water super clear water which i i love uh, uh like i said uh, i used to run the ghost shad from Bastrix, and now I had uh, Major League Lures actually design me that color in his baits now, and it's got a little different design, which I love. It's a little subtler, but that keel gets that head to just really just a nice little, you know, wobble back and forth. So you got this tail kick, and now this head creates a secondary action. And, and bass... I was fishing belly weighted hooks forever and a day. And, uh, my buddy Tim actually gave me some of his ledge heads and they were, they sat in my boat for a year and cool. I, because I was catching fish on these heads. And so finally I was like, I, I run out of the, the specific weight and I think I was using owners and, uh, maybe a three eighths ounce. So I had some of those, uh, ledge heads and I was like, all right, I'm going to try Tim's head. And man, I started smashing huge largemouth on them, <laughs> and I've just been in love with them ever since. So, you know, I kind of, I when I first seen them, I was like, "What are these ugly things? I don't know about this." <laughs> hey, if they huh. work, it's good. <laughs> man, they're uh, like I said, they create a second action, a uh, secondary action to the bait, 
uh, to the swim baits. And, and I think it's something that a lot of the bass haven't seen. And then this year, I've never been a big underspin guy, uh, because I fish so much clear water. So anything that's, that's, you know, I mean, when you can see rocks and 22 foot of water, I mean, that's a lot clearer than what most people are fishing. And, right. you know, uh, anything that's not natural, I, I've just been, you know, weary of it. But good Lord, I started throwing the swim, the underspin this year. And what was really weird about it is most people consider an underspin. Most of the videos, most of the people I see talk about it, really talk about it as a, as a cold water bait. And I was getting bites on a regular uh, swim bait, but they were just coming up and, I mean, they were just hitting it, but they weren't really committing to it. And one of the things I tell people all the time, I'm like, okay, I want you to think about this. What is the common theme? What is everybody and their mama taught when you go out and the bite's tough and it's clear water? What in God's creation does every human being on earth pick up? A stupid little drop shot or a stupid little worm because that's <laughs> what we're taught to do. Now, let me ask you a question. Ask it. And in that clear water, how many people do you think have gone down that ledge or that that bank with that stupid little green worm <laughs> going <laughs> dink a dink a dink a dink a dink? And how many of them go down it with a big old swim bait? <laughs> Which one do you think the fish are beginning to get more conditioned to see? Um, probably that worm, huh? That's right. Okay. So, so you know, sometimes do the opposite of what everybody's doing. And that's kind of how I discovered really fishing these swim baits. So, so you started using that underspin because it had that little extra flash on the bottom, something to separate it from just a regular um, swim bait. Exactly. And, okay. what, and what's great about his swim baits, he calls them the Tennessee River Bling, is that they're on a bendable wire. And I was actually telling him this the other day. Um, there has been times, there's times when it just doesn't matter. But there's times when you're getting, when you're getting hits, but you're not catching. And you can bend that wire down so it's almost vertical. And I don't know if it looks like it's, it's two, two fish. fish. Yeah. Or it, or it just makes the profile larger. Right. But man, they'll go crazy and they'll commit to it then. And that's, you know, this is, this is summer ledge fishing here. This is, this is something that I love and, uh, is, you know, I, I swim bait fishing. I love Domeki fishing, but swim bait fishing there, there's nothing on God's green earth better than that. And, and, and I, I don't fish the really big, like, you know, you California guys, Oh, you know, yeah. y'all would, the dildo. would call me, yeah, yeah, you, you guys would call me a sissy swim baiter, but you know, <laughs> I've, I've got to, which, which I fish bull shads and S waivers and, you know, but, but you're not, uh, you're not throwing the rubber. No, no <laughs> the, the big hoodies. No, yeah. yeah. Which, which, which I'm not going to lie. Yeah. The, the, some of the ones that I've got, yeah, you hold them the right way and they'll flop over <laughs> here like, Hey, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we, we need to, uh, probably later this spring, we need to have you back on and just talk about how you target, um, those deeper fish in the summertime. Cause you're just a wealth of knowledge. We, we didn't really know what to expect, uh, coming in and chatting <laughs> with you today, but you just dropped the whole Demiki rig knowledge on the two of us and everybody else listening. Um, I think that I'm going to be trying to Demiki rig the next time I am at a reservoir that has any sort of, you know, sloping bank or ledges, you know what I mean? Well, and, and, and I know we overcomplicated that. I know I overcomplicated that, but just in my Demiki video, I tell everyone, you know, focus on your high percentage areas. If you've got bait fish, fish, look for fish there. Right. That's, that's key. Number one, number two, look for anything irregular, steep drops this time of year in the winter. It's all about fish moving vertically, not horizontally. And, and that's the key. But a lot of times folks are going to go with like some of the traditional baits this time of year, um, like a, a nice 
heavy spinner bait to fish um, some of those, you know, ledges or slopes or a crank bait or something like that. If the Demiki rig isn't working for you, what's your second and your third option for wintertime deep fish? Well, I've always got a drop shot. The difference okay. between the Demiki and the drop shot is this. Uh, the the drop shot, I'm, I'm going to fish it on the bottom because of the weight. The right. Demiki, the weight is built into the bait. So you can uh, fish it anywhere in that column, wherever you exactly. want. You could go all the way to a foot above the bottom, or you could fish it um, a foot above that bait ball like you were talking about before. Exactly. Okay. Uh, you know, a, a jig and spoon is great. Sometimes you can pull up with that Demiki. You can drop it down, get a bite, get two bites. Maybe they don't like it. Sometimes you could change colors, get two more. Sometimes you could drop a jigging spoon down, let it sink to the bottom, and rip it up, and and they'll you'll get another couple of bites there. That's school fishing. You really do need you know several baits on. Um, okay. Rip you ripping a jig is another great way. Uh, get you a white jig, put a white grub on it, drop it down to the bottom rip it up as hard as you can rip it now these are generally more active a silver buddy will do the same thing a little you know jig a little spoon right. bait. You, you can fish that vertically um if you see those logs those inactives and they're not coming up to look at that demiki uh sometimes there's just nothing you can do <laughs> to be honest sometimes it's just that's when you milk run it you're like well i hope they're there i hope they're active at this school Right. Uh, and you just, that's, that's when you, uh, if you're on a kayak, you know, like I said, it's very important to do your homework and, and find those spots you want to go look at. And I tell people all the time, those, that lake that I fished during the summer, I've, I found five schools on this small lake and I have fished them for probably eight years and they are always there. This is the great thing about deep fishing. You set a waypoint on a group of fish, and unless something just crazy changes, those fish are always there every single year. You can almost set your watch by. It's the same thing during the winter. It is the most consistent fishing. If you can stand the heat or if you can stand the cold, you will catch fish more consistently than any other time of year. I agree. <laughs> but you got to put the rods down heck don't even take the damn things with yeah. you just yeah, we go talk look about that sometimes rods. yeah we talk about that sometimes you know you gotta you know you gotta put time time in you know you gotta get time on the water and the other thing is is you gotta you know you gotta make a decision if you want to be a fisherman or if you just want to catch fish you know if you want to catch yeah. fish you're not gonna put the rod down you're not gonna do laps you're not gonna grid areas you're just gonna go to your first fish and fish for it and there you go you know, that's what it is right. so so uh a good technique for a kayak fisherman would be take those rods out hit hit us try to find a school hit a school um but also spend some time that day for future trips out to that lake um going and marking waypoints and finding other schools so spend some time paddling or pedaling whichever one you guys are doing and make some ways around with the knowledge that you've already kind of um, gathered based off of prior research on Navionics or Google Earth or whatever you guys are on, um, of where those key spots could be. Yeah, uh, that's that's the deal. I mean, I think I, that's I was, a. Sorry, think, go ahead. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think that's a good good place to just wrap this thing up. I think so too. We could talk to Hank for, you know, another hour, but it's it's about an hour right now. Um, thank you for coming on, Hank. I mean, yeah. that, that was awesome. It's it's my pleasure. Uh, anytime I can talk about what I love, which is uh, deep bass, I can do it for days, not hours. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it too. I learned a lot. That was I really liked it. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're going to uh, definitely want to have you on again, Hank, and chat with you, pick your brain, and, and just have you drop some more knowledge on us, man. 
Um, in the meantime, guys, go ahead and check out Hank on YouTube. Just go up to that search bar on YouTube and look for Bass Geek. Uh, just type it in there, Bass Geek, and you and Hank's gonna pop up right there, and he's gonna have uh, a whole bunch of information for you guys to to dive into. All right, that's it, huh? I guess that's it, man. All right. <laughs> thanks again. Thanks again, Hank. I really dig that. I uh, I've been not really a Dominky rig, but I've been playing with some of that same idea with a, uh, I don't know what they call it now, shaky head jig or mushroom. Shaky whatever. head. <laughs>